Well, it is really great to see you all again, and um, we're going to jump straight in uh, to a teaching series that we launched last week. Uh, and really, over the next six or so weeks, we're just exploring what it means to be fully alive. Uh, St. Irenaeus, who was a bishop in the church in AD 202, he, he famously said these words. He said, the glory of God is man fully alive. That um, our aliveness, our, our sense um, um, of being alive uh, and a sense of fullness of life uh, is somehow connected to God's to God's glory, uh, that, that some of those things are, are, are tied together, that God's happiness uh, um, and my happiness are somehow linked, that me being fully alive is what God is, is committed to, that, that our lives and God's glory are bound uh, together. Jesus uh, echoed these sentiments in uh, John 10.10. 10. Uh, and he said these words. He says, the thief, uh, meaning the devil, Satan, who he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they, meaning all of us too, uh, they may have life and life till its fullest. And so last week, we, we kind of took a little bit of time just to, to think about the foundations of what we're going to be exploring uh, over the next couple of weeks, and really what it means to experience God in such a way uh, that we, we find ourselves becoming people who can say we are fully alive. Now, experiencing life and life to its fullest doesn't mean we will have a life that's free of pain. It doesn't mean we'll have a life that is challenge-free or um, you know, uh, doesn't have its problems. Of course we will. But the fact is we learn to discover a fullness of life in the midst of that, uh, in the midst of all the craziness that goes on. Uh, and we talked about the fact that life isn't just a succession of blessings and then a battle and then blessings and then a battle, but actually life is lived on like two tracks. And uh, on one track, we can be experienced blessing and joy and, and, and celebrate all the good things that's going on in our lives. Yet at the very same time, we can have another track that's a battle. There's a battle to be faced. And we can all experience in those, those realities. And so, and, and somehow, you know, in this kind of schizophrenic existence of battles and blessings and blessings and battles, we have to figure out what it means to really have life. And so one of the, the metaphors that we used last week was this idea of viewing our life through uh, the image of a car dashboard. And that um, we can measure our health and our, our well-being by measuring the gauges and the lights and the dials that are on our dashboard. And that um, if there's certain lights on in certain areas of life, they're the things that we need to invest in. Uh, They're the things that need our attention. Maybe it's the spiritual aspect of our life, or maybe it's the the physical part of us, or or even the emotional part of who we are. That that when we see the warning lights come on, we we have to act. We have to do things that replenish our tanks, that bring us life in the midst of the battle. Um, so we don't, we don't avoid battle, but we figure out how to find life in the midst of the battle. 
We also talked last week that actually um, uh, a fullness of life is rooted in what we think the scriptures teach us about a life that's orientated uh, around the character of Jesus. And we, and we see Jesus lived his life in three dimensions. Uh, he, he, he lived, uh, there was this upward dimension, and that was about a, a living connection uh, to God, that first and foremost, we're called to be people who are connected to him. Um, that's where life is found, when we experience the reality of knowing God. Uh, and then there's also an inward dimension. That's, that's about the kind of people that we're becoming. It's the, the character thing. And it's, it's the character, the kind of people we are in the context of community, that we're learning to reach inwards towards one another uh, and being transformed in the process. And then there's the outward uh, dimension that's about our calling. Uh, It's about our calling to reach the world around us, to see God's mission lived out in our world, to see his kingdom come in the places that we inhabit. And so to become fully alive means becoming more like Jesus. That's the whole point of, of, of what, this, what this is about. As followers of Jesus, we're being transformed. We're being transformed into his likeness. The scriptures say from glory uh, to glory. That the, the life of Jesus is, is somehow meant to dominate our life. It's to take, we're to be taken over by him, to become more like him. I hope we realise that. I hope we realise that actually following Jesus is more than just preparing for death. You know, I don't know if you've noticed that sometimes Christians can be slightly morbid uh, because we make this whole life-changing adventure about getting to go to heaven when we die. But actually, uh, this is far more than that. Jesus teaches us how to live. He teaches us how to live a life of, of transformation, to become more like him. And so the question uh, in the midst of all of this, the question that I want to ask you, it's a little bit of a rhetorical question, uh, you don't have to answer it, but the question is, what's your plan to become more like Jesus? You know, as we think about becoming fully alive in 2017, as we think about experiencing life to its fullest, what's your plan to become more like Jesus? What steps are you going to take to become more like him? Maybe that's a question you've never considered. Maybe that's a question you've never really taken on board. Maybe your response to that question is, well, I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> and that's a great place to start. Being in environments like this is a, is, is a good starting point. But that's all it is. It's a, it's a starting point. You know, it's possible for us to gather in places uh, like this, in different meetings and do different things, and at the same time, that not automatically mean we become more like Jesus. And those of us who have been around church for any length of time, we know that to be true, don't we? You know, um, because it seems that 
actually some people, the more they're around church, the worse they become. I don't know if you've ever, you, you've ever, you've ever noticed that. Um, if you haven't, uh, we've got something to tell you. Um, uh, but it does seem that some people, church seems to make them worse and, 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 and not better. And uh, you see, uh, there's, a, there's a world around us uh, that think church people come together in rooms like this and they suck on lemons for an hour. Because that's what most of us look like. And somehow we just come here and we, our goal is to become increasingly more miserable and increasingly more judgmental about everything and everyone around us. And you see, it's possible to be part of something and not enter into the life it's meant to bring. Not enter into the difference that it's meant to make. Now, if I said to you, um, you're going to run a triathlon in six months' time, you're going to need a plan, aren't you? If you don't make a plan, it might not go well. Okay, it, it, it might not go well. And you know what? You could desi- decide, I'm going to do a triathlon in six months' time, and from now on, I'm going to refer to myself as a triathlete. So you, you're going to do a triathlon? Yeah. You're a triathlete? Yeah. Well, how many triathlons have you done? None. Uh, but I'm going to. I'm going to. You see, just calling yourself something uh, and just having an intention to do something uh, doesn't necessarily mean you are that thing. We have, to, we have to make a plan. We have to train. And in the same way, we have to make a plan and we have to train ourselves to become more like Jesus. Even though grace is free, you know, we can't earn grace. It's a free gift. There's nothing we can do. And grace is opposed to earning, but grace isn't opposed to effort. It isn't opposed to us doing something. Peter says we grow in grace, that we learn to become more like Jesus. And that's through training ourselves, isn't it? It's through thinking differently, doing new things, forming new habits. You see, it's possible to put ourselves in the right environments and to call ourselves the right things and have the very best intentions, but totally miss the kind of life that is on offer to us. That opportunity to be fully alive, to to live a life of transformation. And so what's your plan? What's your plan to become more like Jesus? Well, in the time we've got this morning, I just want to think about what might be the starting point or the beginning point of answering a question like that. And I think we do that by learning to address a particular battle. And that's the battle of our minds. You see, our minds, the the way we think, are the beginning point of what I believe it means to become fully alive, to, to live a transformed life. 
The Apostle Paul uh, says it like this in Romans 12. That's where we're going to be if you've got a Bible. Romans 12, just verses 1 and 2. And he says this. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. In other words, because of the grace and because of the mercy that you've received, we're going to offer ourselves back to him. And so he says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Don't eat what they eat. Don't just say what they say. Don't just work like they work. Don't just raise your kids like they raise your kids. Don't just have a marriage like everyone else's marriage. Don't just conform. Because his grace has invaded our lives, because um, you know, his, his, his love has erupted in us, because we know we're part of a story that's far bigger than any other story, don't just conform, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. You see, it starts, transformation starts with our minds. A life fully alive starts with us thinking in new ways. So by renewing our mind, then you will be able to test and approve God's will, what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amos have ever wondered what God's will is for our, our lives. I think one of the problems is, is that some, many of us will live our lives the way we want to do it, and we do our stuff, and then we'll ask God to bless that. You know, like, God, bless this mess. But there is another way to live. And that is to say, God, I want your mind. I want you to, to invade my mind, to restructure my mind, change the patterns of my thinking. See, God does have a plan, doesn't he? He has a plan for all of us. He, um, he has a plan for our lives. And the way he intends to do that, the way he calls us to live a life of fullness... It actually starts with our minds, with us thinking in new ways. Now, the mind is a powerful thing, isn't it? It's, I don't know if we can call it a muscle, but it's a powerful muscle. How many of us have ever watched a movie or a TV show and it's caused an emotion to arise? Anyone, anyone ever done that? How many of us have watched a movie and it's made us cry? All the blokes are like, no. <laughs> well, how many of us have watched the movie and it could have made you cry? Uh, uh, uh. How many of us have watched the movie, it's made us laugh? It's, it's created uh, feelings of anger. Maybe we've felt scared. How many of us have felt the pains of love and romance? when you've watched a movie. Anyone? You know, with lines like, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. Or, 
Or, you complete me. And what's the response? You had me at a low. Now, when we... I have to watch all this junk. Um, uh, uh, now, all, the, all that a movie is, when we analyse it, are lights on a screen. It's fake. It's not real. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's, it's, it's not real. Yet it has the ability to influence our minds. See, our minds are so powerful that when they're invaded with images and ideas, it causes our hearts, our emotions, and our bodies to respond. And you see, God gave us, I believe, the ability to control our minds. See, where ultimately where we put our minds is ultimately going to shape the kind of people we become. See, often we want to see God change our circumstances, don't we? And we pray prayers like, God, change my job, change my marriage, change my kids, change my friends. Um, yet time and time again throughout the scriptures, God leads people to change their minds, to change their thinking before he changes their circumstances. We touched on that last week, didn't we? That he, he changes us in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering. He, he changes what's going on inside of us before he changes the circumstances around us. And so as we think about what it means to control our minds, I think there are two areas that God gives us grace for, two areas that God gives us the ability to, to have some control over. And the first would be uh, about what we believe about ourselves. See, what we believe about ourselves shapes our behavior. You know, if I was to say to you, make a list of, of uh, 10 things that you believe about yourself, Okay, My guess, and I'd probably encourage you to do that this week, but my guess would be some of those things will be negative. Yeah? You making a list, a mental list in your minds. Now, if we was to press a little deeper on those, on those uh, ten things, I could almost guarantee most of those ten things um, were things things that you, you think about yourself, believe about yourself, most of those things were said to you as a child. Most of those things. See, when, when you were small uh, and influential, maybe someone turned around to you and said, you're really not that clever. You're really not that bright. You're a bit clumsy. You're not that good looking. You're irresponsible. You don't follow through. The other things that on our list might not just be the things that others have said to us, but they might be things that we say to ourselves just because of our own emotional well-being. 
Things like, no one's there for me. Everyone will let me down, so I might as well take care of myself. And you see, these things that have been spoken over us and these things that we speak to ourselves are like seeds that we carry into our adult life. And, and, and so as a result, it's, it's through those things that, that, that we form who we become. And, and they form how we do relationships. And, and they form maybe how we manage our, our friendships. And, and, and actually, they probably shape the careers that we chose. And they probably have an effect on why we live where we live and why we behave like we behave. Now, some of us will have some positive things on our list, hopefully. Um, you know, some of us, we're told we're clever. Some of us, we're told, you've got a bright future. You're, you're beautiful. But positive or negative, what the mind does is it takes those things, whether they're true or not, and believes them. And then when our mind believes those things, we allow them to shape the person we've become. Those of us who are married might have experienced this. Um, I don't know if you've ever been talking to your spouse and um, you realise you're not just talking to them, but you're also talking to a conversation that was had with them like 15, 20 years ago. I don't know if any of you... Experience. Imagine this is a fictitious moment. Okay, just imagine this. Imagine, imagine your wife has asked you to take out the rubbish, and you say, "Honey, it's it's in hand. I will do that." But you forget. And then when you get home, she says, "Um, "You said you'd take out the rubbish." But what you hear is, "You're a worthless, no good piece of junk." You can't take responsibility for anything. I might as well do everything myself. (laughs) And that's what you hear, and that's how you respond. But the reality is, all she was saying was, you said you'd take out the rubbish. It's not good to have it in the house. (laughs) And you see, we we often bring, don't we, our pain and, and the things that have been lied to and spoken over us into our marriage relationships. And so, um, you know, we have the ability to control what is spoken over us. You know, this doesn't have to be complicated, but we need to acknowledge that it starts with what we think. It starts with what's in our minds. And we choose how we respond, how we are going to react to situations. The other thing that we can take control of is not just what's been said to what we believe about ourselves, but also what we believe about God. A.W. Tozer, he says, he says what comes to mind when you think, uh, think about God uh, is the most important thing about us. And so not only do we project what we think about ourselves... On God, but also we project often what our earthly fathers were like onto our heavenly Father, and um, you know we we can sometimes what we think about God, um, you know what we think about God often is dictated by those things. 
And so when you think about God, what does come to mind? Do you, do you think about uh, a passive earthly father uh, that, that wasn't interested, uh, that doesn't want to know the detail, would rather sleep or rather do their own thing, um, isn't interested in what you have to say? Because if that was our experience of an earthly father, that can be what we project on a heavenly father. But maybe we had a, an earthly father that was angry, and, uh, and, so, and so we see God as angry, ready to tell us off, scold us or punish us or, or think that we're stupid. Maybe we think we irritate God. Um, may, may, maybe we, we, uh, we think we get on his nerves. And, and is it any wonder, if that's what we're projecting onto our Heavenly Father, is it any wonder that some of us struggle to pray, struggle to talk to him, be with him? Because we have this skewed view of who God is. Not only do we project what other people are like uh, onto God, but we also project our own stuff on God. And, and not just our stuff from the past, but the stuff from the present. Sometimes there can, can be stuff in our lives, stuff that we know are a hindrance and a problem. And what we do is we project them onto God and pretend he's okay with it. And so what we do is we then create a God in our own image. You know? And so God may have challenged us about things in our lives. He may have challenged us on certain issues. And what we do, instead of dealing with them, we say, oh, my God's fine with those things. My God's happy with that. You know, it's okay. And, and we carve out a God in our own image. And you see, those realities shape the kind of people we're becoming. But here's something interesting that Jesus said in John 14, 9. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And you know, if you, what would it mean for us to see Jesus again with a fresh eye? What would it mean for us to just really see him again, to see his love and compassion and mercy that flows from who he is. You know, what would it mean to see Jesus again, to, to really see him? How do you think that would change things? See, if we really loved, if we really understood that we were loved, we're loved completely, that there's nothing that we can do to, to make him love us more, and there's nothing we can do to make him love us less, that he's pursuing us, that he's always moving towards us with love and forgiveness, that he suffers on our behalf and yet he has the power to overcome. See, when we see those things, they have the ability to reshape our minds, reshape our thinking. And we begin to see ourselves differently, and we begin to see God differently. It changes us, and it changes the kind of life that we live in the process. So what can we do practically? How can we invest ourselves uh, in, in dealing with our minds? And so I've just, I just got three things that I want to encourage you to have a go at this week. Uh, as we think about 
the challenge of life starting with the battle for our minds. And so the first one is feed our minds with truth. We need to feed our minds with truth. People need more than bread for life. They must feed on every word of God. You see, the truth of the word of God, the truth of the scriptures, pushes out the lies. And so we need to fill our lives, fill our minds with the right things, with the helpful things. You see, our minds are like a big bucket. And um, this bucket is going to get filled. And the choice is, do we fill it actively or, pass- or passively? You know, it's, it's often said the thing that controls a culture is the music uh, that it listens to. See, what's the predominant theme of our culture? You know, what, what is the thing that our culture worships, that ascribes to? What's the music on the radio? What's the images on our TV screens? Well, there's a, there's a lot of lust, isn't there? There's a lot of over-sexualized imagery. And, and sex sells well, doesn't it? Sex sells shampoo to women and it sells deodorant to men. I don't know if you've noticed that. We see this false sense of romanticised love. That unless you've got some Puerto Rican guy, Pablo, stroking your hair, then you've failed as a woman. You know, and you look over to your husband with Dorito dust on his chest. And, and, But we're sold a lie, aren't we? We're sold a lie. (coughs) Men are sold a lie. Men are addicted to pornography because they would rather have a a, a relationship with a computer screen than have a conversation with an actual real woman. And then we wonder why marriages fall apart. We wonder why couples don't know how to relate to one another. Because we've filled our minds with stuff that isn't real. And then we need to learn to fill our minds with, the things, that, with things that crowd out all the other stuff. And that kind of leads to the second one, that we need to free our minds from destructive thoughts. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Do we know our top five destructive thoughts? You know those things when you're feeling a bit depleted emotionally or physically? Those those destructive thoughts that that come into our minds. Maybe it's things like you're a loser. Or no one is ever going to love you, you're just too ugly. You're not going to make it. And you see, our task in those moments is to dwell on new thoughts that will replace the destructive ones. Isn't that what Jesus did? When he was in the wilderness... 
when the devil tempted him, he quoted scripture. He quoted scripture back at the devil. He revealed the truth in the face of lies. Job says, I've made a covenant with my eyes to not look lustfully at a woman. Paul says in Philippians, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and position, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Why do you think people memorize passages of scripture like that? Do you think it's possible because we have like a million times opportunity to lust every single day? Could it be for that reason? Or, or that we have opportunity to, to be anxious? That we all have those destructive moments, don't we? We all have those places that we go to and fill our minds. And so one of the challenges this week is, what would it mean for you to memorise a passage of scripture that would combat those moments of destruction, those moments of lies, and that you begin to just speak out the truth? As those lies enter your mind, as those destructive thoughts enter in, that actually you would begin to speak truth. And then finally, focus your mind on the right things. The writer of Hebrews, he says, think about Jesus' example. He held on while wicked people were doing evil things to him. So do not get tired and stop trying. And so it's learning, isn't it, to focus on Jesus, fill our minds with him, focus on what's good, true, noble, trustworthy. That's what Paul tells us in in Philippians. And when we focus on Jesus, we, we remember God. God's the one who came for us. He's given everything for us. He's come to give us life so that you and I may have life. Now, can you imagine how different life might be if we knew that we knew that we knew we were loved perfectly every single day. That we didn't have to be insecure, that we didn't have to perform, that we didn't have to impress somebody, that we could just relax in his grace, in his mercy. Just think how different life might be. Just think how different your marriage might be how your job might be. If we could just start to address the realities of our mind, could it be possible that we'd see change? Could we see something change? You see, we sow a thought and we reap an action. And if we sow actions, we we reap habits. And if we sow habits, we form character. (coughs) See, what we dwell on, what we sow our lives into, what we, is, what we, is what we reap. 
You see, our thoughts and our beliefs are the things that we become. Now, I don't know if you can imagine, but I imagine this. What would it look like if rooms like this, of people like you, were to just choose to dwell their minds and thoughts on the grace and love and purposes of God? What would it look like if a group of people decided, I'm going to live with a renewed mind? I'm not going to conform to the old patterns of thinking anymore. Do you think things might change? Do you think things may be different? Do you think individual lives might change? And as individual lives might change, do you think it might possibly spill out into our city? Spill out into our workplaces, into the the places that we inhabit? But we have to remember it's a battle. How many of us show up to places like this? We show up to come and we've come to worship God. And in the midst of trying to worship God, we suddenly think the most vile thoughts. And that's because it's a battle. It's a battle for our minds, isn't it? And and not only is that the things that are within us, but it's also because we've got a real enemy. We've got someone who seeks to, to destroy us. How many of you right now are hearing me talking, yet at the same time, you're thinking about lunch? You're thinking, he's going to finish in a minute, we're going to pray, and then it's lunch. (laughs) There's a battle, isn't there? There's a battle to be had. There's a battle for our minds. And so as we lean into this idea of becoming fully alive, as we lean into this idea of being, living a life that, that is at its fullest and its, its, its most capacity, I, th- I think we start by making a choice to think differently, <laughs> to, 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 to change the makeup of our thinking, to change the way our mind works. And so I think that's probably where we're going to leave it and just and see what the Holy Spirit might want to come and do. Um, there's a few things I could have said, but I won't. <coughs> and so um, why don't, where, where we are, just stay where we are, and we're just going to um, take a moment just to invite the Spirit of God to be amongst us and then just see what he might want to do or have us respond to him this morning. I've got a couple of things that I really feel the Lord wants to do already, but just there might be some things that the Lord speaks to us about as we wait in his presence.